This episode is sponsored by Bedfordshire Hot Tubs. Relaxing in a jacuzzi is the perfect way to keep calm and carry on. Hello and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On. How are you guys doing out there? How's your summer holidays for those of you that have children? How's it going? Are you surviving? (laughs) It's been tricky, hasn't it, with this weather? I know I love a chat about the weather, but, you know, staying in the UK, I know this is why lots of us fly away to sunnier climates because it's tricky in this in this rain but um we've just come back from lovely Norfolk and we had so much fun we went on the beaches got really muddy we were kayaking and we stayed in an amazing place called the White Horse in Brancaster and the staff and people there were absolutely amazing so if any of you guys are in that area go and check them out because the it was just so much fun also, a big welcome to our lovely sponsors, Bedfordshire Hot Tubs. Oh, I know I've been raving about these guys throughout the summer, but honestly, I think if any year we've needed a bit of luxury, this is the year. And ours is now a new staple in our garden. We just love it. The boys love it. We love it. The family come round. Everybody really kind of enjoys enjoys it. So if you want to check them out, please go to bedfordshirehottubs.co.uk you can also check them out on instagram bhtubs um, and also if you just wanted to call them up and have a little chat see if, if it's something that might be for you quote carry on and they will make a donation for acting for others because that's the kind of people that they are I love mine, can't speak highly enough of it. Okay, in fact, I might even go in it today. It's raining and I might even go in it today. Okay, so on to my special guest for today. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, this beautifully handsome man has been a friend of mine for a little while. We've uh, we've crossed paths over the years on the same circuit, but he, I guess you guys will know him from being in the superstar band Blue also a Eurovision favourite, um, also seen in a ton of musicals over the West End and on tour. I'm just overjoyed to introduce you to Duncan James. Duncan, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much. I've been trying to get you on this for absolute months and I'm so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm sorry it's taken so long, but here we are, (laughs) finally together. Here we are. Now, I mean, I've seen you kind of a few times in in the last year. I mean, we've crossed paths when, you know, the the pandemic has allowed us to at Proud and, and I have seen you over the years, but How's how's it has the last year been for you? I mean, has it been just chaotic? I think it's been, you know, just crazy for everybody because we've all gone through it together, which in a way has had its blessings and its curses. You know, mm. for me, one of the blessings has been I've had to spend uh my whole year with my mum, which is the most amount of time I've I've had with her wow. since I was a kid. So um, I moved it back in with my mum as a 40-year-old, back with your mother. It's been a bit crazy. but, but <laughs> Dinners and washing, though, lovely. <laughs> exactly, even though I like to do a lot of the cooking. But, um, yeah, um, I get nagged at quite a lot because I'm obviously quite untidy compared to how <laughs> I, I, leave, I leave the plates and the, and the kitchen in a mess after I've been cooking. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in trouble a lot more. Oh, my God. And where's home? Where are you living in? So we're down in Surrey. I bought my mum a house a couple of years ago and I was up in Liverpool filming Hollyoaks. Mm. And then literally I sold my place in February last year. 
And I came back down to my mum's just to figure out where I was going to go next, what I was going to do. And then lockdown happened. So I've been here ever since. Uh, you know what, though? That's one thing that, I mean, I de- I've definitely taken, uh, you know, th- from this lockdown is that time with our loved ones. Because, uh, you know, it's like yourself, mm. you are always 100 miles an hour here, there and everywhere. You're always working, always doing your thing. So to actually stop and have a bit of time out and, and just kind of reset a little bit, has been I mean it's been great for me I mean have you have you enjoyed this the kind of stopping or have you got frustrated <laughs> no I, I think you know as you said Kerry um to actually stop for five minutes has been really lovely mm. and we're both in the same kind of world where we are always on the go it's always doing something we're always traveling somewhere or we've got a gig somewhere we've got to do which is great and it's it's a fantastic lifestyle and I wouldn't change it for the world, but you do get moments when you just think, Oh, I just want to just have a day off or just chill in my own bed at Mm. home. And I don't want to live out of a suitcase anymore. And, and you know, when you're on the road, whether it's touring in a musical show, it is pretty full on. And every Mm. single week you're in a different city and in a different hotel room. And (laughs) these tours go on for like a year at a time. So it has been quite full on. Um, So it's been lovely to just be in one place for more than five minutes. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about your, um, I mean, I was going to talk about it later, but I'm going to do it now. Your fitness, I mean, you are an avid, you know, you train, you really look after yourself, you know, you're, I love social media, because you can just kind of check in on everybody. And I love how kind of positive you are. And you're always kind of out there going, you know, flying the flag of, of healthy living, which I think is what is, is really important, especially the older we get. Yeah. How... Uh, lockdown has obviously changed that dramatically because we can't go to the gyms we can't for me uh, working out and and well-being is is quite a social thing it's quite a community thing as well and to not have that community of people to go come on let's you know go to that class or let's go you know let's go and do that session or whatever has been quite difficult we've all had to go online and stuff how how have you found it I mean how has has it has it been really different for you and have you found it harder to kind of keep it up yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 42, and I've always been one of these people that I've always wanted to try to be a young, 42 year old. My daughter's mm. 16, and she's an incredible ballerina. I and saw I, the picture, and there was a picture, beautiful picture of you two together. Oh, oh, I can't believe she's six. How old is she? 16. She's 16. <gasps> it's crazy. Oh my god. So I've always wanted to be a fit young dad, and. Uh, five years ago, unfortunately, I suffered with a terrible back injury, which led to me having a couple of major operations in my spine. And unfortunately, one of the operations didn't go as well as I hoped. And it's yeah. left me partially numb down my left leg because oh. of uh, because of, of, of repercussions from the surgery. So since that moment, I, I guess I've just been on a mission to try to look after myself and be as healthy as possible because Mm. I had a real scare and the scare was for me I might um, not be able to have functions like I would normally like to be able to run or Mm. uh, and I know this sounds a bit crazy but um, there was one point where I was told I might have to be catheterized for the rest of my life and that was such a scary thought you know Um, and unfortunately there's lots of people out there who have had serious back injuries who do Mm. have to have these repercussions and I'm very thankful that my injury has only been numbness um, Mm. which never came back but from that it gave me the sense of wanting to be really 
I guess, in charge of my health and try to do as best as I, as I can with healthy eating and with, with exercise mm. and mobility. Mm. Um, so I think when you do face one of those scares in life, it does really kind of push you to, to be a better version of yourself. And it gives you a, a big wake up call. Mm, it does and I think because of what our industry kind of demands from us the more physical physically able and the more you know we also I also know that the such benefits that that being active gives us it's the it's so good for your mind it makes you so you know it does release those endorphins and it does make you feel so much better and we need that especially now we need that um I, I want to take you back to to the beginning of, of how things how things began for you. Like, what was it that did you always know you wanted to kind of be in show business or be a pop star or be in musicals or how did it begin for you? Because you were you brought up in Dorset, right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I was brought up in Dorset by a single parent family, and just as an early age, I was always getting dressed up in my mom's clothes or she was putting <laughs> makeup on me, and and I loved the kind of school productions that we used to have and mm. luckily I was that kid that was always given the lead role from a mm. young age and it was something <laughs> that I really I really enjoyed you know what I mean it was yeah. like it was just fun and then I moved to Sidmouth in Devon and I went to a school there called Sidmouth College and they had a fantastic drama department with a teacher who had um, huge involvement with the youth theatre down there and that for me was like a dream come true because it mm. meant I could be in the youth theatre and then also Sidmouth had another dramatic society called the Sidmouth Amateur Dramatic Society, the SADS. And they used to put on productions every year as well. So I used to just be that kid at school that was always in the school plays or yeah. always in the, in the youth theatre productions. And I just got the bug, you know, from, from being a young boy to always wanting to be on stage, wanting to perform, wanting to get that lead part, you know. It was yeah. just like, yes, I got the lead part. You know, it yeah. was just, it was that feeling. Um and I grew up as a, as a kid, basically just loving being on a stage, loving performing. I never knew I was going to go down the whole pop star route. That was mm. never kind of like my plan, um, but it just happened. And I just went with it and it gave me the opportunity to, I guess, get the lead roles in, in, in West End shows and stuff. Mm. Um, and I think if it hadn't been for Blue, I probably would have had to work my way up like most people do, being in the mm. chorus and you know doing you doing your dues that way mm, yeah yeah but every route every route is different isn't it and it's yeah. it's it I think we all end up in the right place it's just how you get there is 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 individual and yes. did I read that your is it your grandfather that was a music teacher was that was yeah that, and it was yeah. it, did he influence you I mean was that what sparked it for you yeah, so my grandpa, bless him, he was uh, an incredible man. He was a colonel in the army. Wow. And um, when he retired from being in the army, he went to become a music teacher uh, at, a, at a school down in Dorset called Dumpton School, which was like a private, very quite a prestigious private school. And up until the age of 13, I, I, I went there um, as a student um, because grandpa got reduced fees for being a teacher there. Um, but then after he retired from teaching, I, uh, I had to leave the school because we couldn't afford the the fees there. But it gave me such a great upbringing and a great stability in life. And it also gave me the love of music because of mm. my grandfather. And from from four, he sat me down at the piano and was like, <gasps> right, you need to you need to play the piano. So wow. I, I kind of was taught uh, the piano from a young age. And it gave me that kind of musicality, I guess. Mm. It, it gave me the ability to hear 
music and yeah. hear harmony and hear um you know that kind of have, have, a, have a musical ear basically yeah, yeah. which I owe him everything for it's interesting isn't it because you like I look at my kids now and I think you know I, I, we've got a piano in the house and we've got guitars hanging around and I'm trying to just leave them around and not kind of influence them too much but it's it you kind of need that spark, don't you? You need that person to go, here, come try this. Come and have a go at this. And it's very much often not the parent because the kids don't want to necessarily learn from their parents. I mean, I don't know how your daughter is. I know she's she's into her dance and her, her performance, but whether, did that, I mean, did that come from you or did, it, or did you influence her that way? Or? I think pretty much from an early age, um, she always showed signs of, of of having a kind of flair about her and we just encouraged that flair yeah. and um her mum was a ballerina as well my mum was into ballet from a young age so there was definitely the ballet gene she got born with and I think we just encouraged her and we put mm -hmm. her into baby ballet from a yeah. young age and she just loved it and she was just one of those kids that just naturally had an ability and um we just basically encouraged her and said to her, if this is what she wants to do, we're going to support her. And mm. thankfully she loved it. And to, to this day, 16 years later, you know, she's, she's a flourishing ballerina and she's done so well. We're so, so Aww. proud of, of what she's achieved from such a young age and, and incredible how a child has got that motivation and focus. Mm. Um, Such a disciplined ballet as well, isn't it? It's a real yeah, discipline. It is. It it's is. Really but I think, as, as a parent, you know, you, you want always the best for your kids, don't you? And mm. you just want them to be able to do what makes them happy. And thankfully for her, ballet makes her really happy. And she's she's just obsessed with it. Oh, so lovely. Have you seen her? Have you been to see her? Has she done any big performances or anything that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, we're very lucky that um, she's done huge performances down in London um, at the Royal Opera House. <gasps> Oh, it must. How did you feel? That must have been just weird. Because again, you you know how it is. You know what that feels like. Yeah, of course. And and also down in um, in they have the what's it called in the in the park in London Holland Park. They have oh. an open air theatre. Yeah. And uh, I've seen her do productions in the open air theatre during summer productions there. And it's it's amazing because you know all the kids come out and you just have that overwhelming proudness when you see yeah. your child on that stage you're like oh my god oh. it's amazing so, you yeah, want to have that t-shirt that's mine that yeah. one's mine yeah of course <laughs> oh but it's so sweet and from a young age when they used to come out when when she was younger and all of them all the kids used to come out on the stage and I've seen her in lots of different shows that she's done you just have such an overwhelming proudness don't you when you see your child yeah up there. yeah oh it's amazing I, I mean I remember watching mine in the nativity and they were just hilarious. They were doing everything they shouldn't do and just making everyone <laughs> laugh. But, you know, I'm sure I have all of that to come. So I have to talk about Blue. Um, yeah. It happened quite early for you, didn't it? You were quite, I say you were quite young. I mean, you, it, you'd come out of school. Um, yeah. What Had you done anything prior to Blue, um, like, like show business-wise, performance-wise? Um, so, I know you'd done some school plays and bits and pieces, but was there yeah. anything... So I left, I did my A-levels at 18 and uh, I then went and auditioned for Haven Holidays as an entertainer ah. because growing up as a child, I was obsessed with the television programme, Heidi High, you see ah, Pollard. Yes. And um, as ding, a little, ding, ding. yeah, it was amazing. And I, I just, it was, it was uh, probably 
the inspiration to my life that show crazily <laughs> enough and I just was like watching it I always said I want to be a red coat I want mm. to be at Macklin's holiday camp as a as a uh, entertainer yeah so I auditioned at 18 for Haven Holidays and I went in there as a male vocalist and I had to get up and sing it was like a bit like you know the X Factor kind of auditions. You walk into mm. a room and you've got the panel of the of the people there, and you had to get up and sing stuff. And they asked you loads of questions and interviewed you. And um, I basically got given the job as a male vocalist in a site down in Dorset. It was quite a small site because I was I was very young as an eighteen year old. Mm. So they put me as the male vocalist in 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 that site, and then I just literally worked my way up Haven. I ended up becoming. Uh, male vocalist at one of their biggest sites um, in the Isle of Wight called Harcourt Sands. I did Mill Ride down mm. in Portsmouth. Um, and I really, really loved it. And I learned my skill. I learned it's my trade. Such a learning f- f- place, isn't it? I, I did a similar thing. I worked at a place called Potter's in, in Hopton on Sea, and a similar thing, red coat kind of thing. Mm. And it is such an incredible training, isn't it? Because you're actually learning how to interact with people. And they can be brutal, those audiences, because yeah. they're, they're, everything's it's like cruise ship audiences everything's at their fingertips so they can kind of get up and leave and they can be brutally honest with you and you could be singing for them in the evening and see them doing you know uh, an exercise class in the the next day and it, it can be quite brutal but I think it's the best kind of training yeah I mean to be honest it it taught me so much and the fact that as you said you're 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 stood there on a stage at 18 years old singing to an audience <laughs> um who are brutal as you said I mean, it's, uh, but but the fun side of stuff was as well we had to do I had to one of my one of my jobs was the karaoke nights where you host the karaoke competition you have to get the the punters up to sing and then of course you have to get them up and do the the, the dancing like the line mm. dancing or the ballroom dancing so I learned so much and mm. um I had the I had the best two years actually doing that and actually from there, I auditioned uh, from the stage magazine, the good old stage magazine. Oh, yeah. um, and I got put into a boy band called Volume 5 in London, which was crazy. And uh, we lived together in this flat in Oxford Street. Um, and uh, the, the band never went anywhere. But we did these kind of gigs around the place and whatever. But um, from there, I then ended up meeting a couple of friends, uh, one of them being Anthony Costa. <laughs> and... Um, I ended up going into another band before Blue with Rita Simons, who's Roxy Mitchell. Oh, yes. I didn't know you guys knew each other before then. How funny. So we ended up being in a band together and then that band didn't work. And then from there, my friendship with Anthony grew more because he was North London where I was staying with Rita. And um, then basically, cut a long story short, I, I, I auditioned for another audition in the stage magazine, which ended up being for Virgin Records, which was for Blue, and the wow. rest is history. God, and that audition really did change your life, didn't it? It just, I mean, yeah. I remember, you know, Blue coming onto the scene and, and just, it was huge, you know, it was massive. It, it, did you did you know? I mean, you'd, you'd, like you say, you'd been through a few um, band setups that hadn't really happened. And then you, you, did you know when you started to work with Blue that, this was it and this was different no I mean to be honest it was it happened so fast and I just remember we we were being flown to Norway to a place called Trondheim to record uh some songs with the producers out there called Stargate and I remember at the time we walked into the recording studio to actually go and do All Rise and 
um, Flyby was the two songs we did first of all with them. Wow, massive um, songs as well, yeah. huge songs. <laughs> and I remember walking in and there was on the music stand by the recording, by the microphone, there was the lyrics to the band Hearsay's first song, Pure and Simple, which Stargate also did. And at the time, the television show Pop Stars, which made Hearsay, hadn't aired the final. But because they were ahead of filming, they'd already yeah. been into the studio in time to record. So we could see on the piece of, they left a piece of paper with the song, the song lyrics, Danny, Suzanne, Mylene, all wow. their names by the bits. So they quickly, but we were like, oh my God, this is who got into, into the, <laughs> in, into, into pop stars. And the, the producers quickly rushed and said, oh my God, you can't see that. We yeah, really, so we yeah. didn't realize that was there. It quickly threw it away and like, pretend you haven't seen that because we'll get into trouble. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. But those, I mean, those first songs that you did, you know, like All Rise was and One Love, like they're just like, well, One Love was the second album, but they were huge. I mean, did like, did you, did you get a sense when you were recording them? Like, I mean, because everybody gets obsessed with whatever ever song they're doing, you know, you think it's the best song in the world because you have to, you yeah. have to, you have to kind of embrace it. You have to connect to them to, to, because it's what you're doing at that time. Mm. But songs like, I mean, did you just, did you feel any kind of think this is different? This is special. I mean, at the time, no, because you just you, you just um, you're out there with so many other bands and and uh, acts competing to mm -hmm. be in the chart. So you just never, you know, you just don't think, oh, is it going to happen? And mm -hmm. and I think actually, in order for a song to become huge, you have to have the correct elements. You have to have obviously yes. a great song. Yeah. You also have to have the right combination of of if being in a band of, of voices that people like to hear mm -hmm. and also it's to do with marketing and promotion you've so got to get on radio you, you have to get, to get on, on radio yeah you have to get seen if you don't then you can have the best song in the world and if it doesn't get out there and people can't hear it and that's what can be quite frustrating in this industry so at the time back then there was no social media there was no mm. you know youtube there was none of that it was literally you had to go out and tour doing school tours and just doing gigs everywhere and doing uh, you know, just trying to get out there so people could hear it. So that was crazy. I mean, we literally did a whole kind of year of just promoting ourselves as a band and um, trying to get exposure um, because it was hard. And actually, the first television show that gave us a break was was the Big Breakfast. They did ah. a whole, they did a week special of us, so we were on every single day as a completely unknown band. Mm. And actually, because of them, they gave us the first break and then other TVs followed suit actually. Mm. So we're really lucky that that Nicholas Lazarus over there back in the day at, at Big Breakfast gave us our first break really. You do, you're exactly right. You do need those kind of, all those elements to be, mm. to work. It, it's so important. It, and yeah. exactly that, you could, you could be sitting on the best song and unless anybody hears it, I mean, it's, it's kind of pointless. Um, what, what, was your, what was your favorite gig? What was your best gig with Blue? Like your most memorable? Uh, one of the biggest memories for me, one of the pinch yourself moments was we got invited to Buckingham Palace to perform at the Queen's Jubilee. I think it was her, the 50th um, uh, Jubilee. It was. And, I remember. Yeah. yeah. We were and, there. Yeah. I think we were there with Rocky, weren't we? Yeah, I think you were, actually. I and we were. I, I just remember... Um, literally getting to we got to ask we got asked if we would perform with tom jones to do a song mm -hmm. leave your hat on 
uh, which we were like, oh my God, Tom Jones, amazing. Yeah. And then literally we got out and we performed at the party at the palace. And then I just remember at the end of the night being on stage and I've got Ozzy Osbourne to my right. Yeah. Um, which was yeah, just, was. yeah, it was bizarre. And to my left is Brian Wilson uh, from the Beach Boys. And it was just crazy. And then, of course, the Queen comes along on the stage and uh, with her glove on to shake people's hand. And it was it was just like, oh, my God, this is insane. And the best bit for me was being invited into the palace afterwards for the after party. I don't know if you remember this, Kerry, but mm-hmm. I remember I remember being in I think it was uh, this room with all these huge paintings on the wall, like Rembrandt's and just incredible art and people like. Princess Anne just walking by and 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 there's William and Harry and it's just the most surreal thing ever oh that's amazing it was yeah it was a total mental time I mean I think we Mm. may have played with or we may have done a bit of rock you at party in the uh party in the park that year with you guys because I remember a moment backstage and I was with lovely Maz Murray and her talking to you guys just before you went on um and I, it's, I don't know why that stuck with me, but I just remember us all like being huddled backstage and she was like, what was your most comedy like performance? Like, I, like you said, when you were doing the school tours, I'm sure you did lots of shopping malls and lot, like mm. everywhere. What was your most comedy one? Or the one you were just like, oh, you know, getting ready in the toilets, that one. <laughs> so we got asked to do a gig in Moldova. Um, and I think there must have been a, something like 60,000 people had turned up to see us. And we were in this big outdoor venue. And we we flew out our band with us. And we were doing like a whole 90 minutes live set with our band. And we got invited before the before the actual performance to go into this kind of like marquee tent style to meet the promoters and to meet some of the the VIP fans that had wanted to uh, to meet us before the gig. So we go in there, and in the middle of this uh, tent was a. It's just, this is going to sound gross. It was a baby goat that had been <laughs> cooked. Oh God! Whole. Oh God! With its tongue hanging out, it was awful. The whole goat. Oh, it had been no. cooked goat and they were like it was part of their tradition to offer us this goat which they had cooked for us and we all just were looking at it going no 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 no. we can't eat that you can see its face it's awful it was really scary (laughs) so they they start carving this this goat and giving it on a plate as if to say you know we've made this for you this is a huge offering and it was a sign of respect and our manager just looked at us and he said you've got to eat it boys because if you don't you're being really disrespectful to to them in our culture no so anyway, after we got past uh, Goat Gate, we, uh, we get ready to get on stage to perform. And uh, the announcer, please welcome Blue. And the band starts playing. All Rise starts. We all come out. I say Blue. You say what? Blue what? Your Honor, please. And then the whole power stopped. And they had a huge power failure. And the generators had, had broken, basically. And all the lights went down. All the sound stopped, and we just stood on the stage, and the sixty thousand people just going crazy, like what's happened? So yeah. we were taken backstage, and they were trying to fix the generator, and they couldn't. And unfortunately, everybody had to go home. They couldn't fix the generator, and then we had to come back the next day to do it all over again. And it was just like one of those awful oh, moments of like, no. oh my god, it's just oh, awful. No. Sixty thousand people, just sorry guys, that's it. You got you got literally three seconds of a song. Oh no! I love the goat. I love Goat Gate. Oh, that's brilliant. Goat Gate. Yeah. <laughs> so Moldova will always be embedded in my mind as one of those 
one of those gigs. I do love that though. I mean, when we toured Europe, I mean, I just love the randomness about it. I like the the, the kind of difference in the concert halls and just the like exactly the random gifts that are offered up. It's I mean, it's brilliant, but it is funny. It's funny. Um, you've you've played with some amazing. Well, you guys have duetted with some amazing people, Elton John, and you mentioned Tom Jones. And was there anybody that you that you kind of were just mesmerised by? I mean, I remember meeting Barry Manlow, and he had that kind of, you know, when you when you walk into a room and you go, "Oh my God, I am with royalty. This is mm. this is this is different." And then mm. there's other people that are just you know, lovely, and it feels like you've known them forever. Like when I'm with Brian, you know, he's like mm. a like a member of the family. Is there anyone that was a bit like that for you guys? Yeah, I think when when we got asked to do Sign Seal Delivered with Stevie Wonder, I think yes. that was <laughs> that was a moment that we were like, oh my God, Stevie. And then we were flown to LA to record the music video and uh, to shoot it with him on a oh rooftop in LA. And, you know, in music videos, you kind of, there's a lot of standing around, start, stop, while they're adjusting lights and camera angles mm. and all that kind of stuff. And so we were literally just stood there with Stevie. And what was the most incredible thing about him was um, when he talks to you, because he's blind, he likes to touch you or hold your hand. So yeah. when he talks to you, he puts his hand up for you to, to, to hold your hand. And he, it's almost like he's seeing you from your energy and yeah, yeah. it's like, oh my God, Stevie Wonder's talking to me and he's holding my hand and it's just the most... <laughs> amazing thing right now because it's Stevie Wonder um so that for me was like a real uh, incredible moment having to to do a music video with him get to sing with him and having just normal conversations with him Mm. and actually he used to he's got quite a childlike sense of humor um and I remember me and me and the boys all effing and blinding you know f this f that because that's just you know our banter with us and every time we would do an f-bomb he would just giggle to himself (laughs) So we looked at each other and we were like, you know, say it again. And and he would just giggle and he'd be like, guys, I love the way you get your accent. It's amazing. I can't do the American accent, but he would be like, I love your accent. It's so cool. I love the way you, how you swear. It's It just sounds so posh when you swear. And he used to just giggle the fact that we, uh, yeah, we used to we used to swear and it, it just made him laugh. So oh that was really, really sweet. Brilliant is that? How magical is that? Because you do have these crazy experiences, don't you? When you're doing you're touring the world and you're, you're performing on those huge stages and meeting those amazing people. It's hard to almost take it in. Yeah. Um, so you did the the big reunion several years later. Yeah. Did you have different um, a, a different outlook to it coming back into like getting back together and all of that kind of thing? Because I, I, I can only relate it to if I've gone back into a show many years later, how different it is. And if anything, I almost appreciate it more because I think on the first time out, you're so young and so kind of carefree and you just take it all, not for granted, but you take it all in a stride and you, you know, you're going on to the, to the next venue or the next city or the next country. And it's not until you kind of stop and get another go at it. That you go, I'm going to cherish every moment and every performance because it's so special. I think that's age, though. But have you had anything? No, yeah. you're right. You're right. I, I think you're. I think we've definitely learned to appreciate things a lot more now as you get older. Um, you know, we were in our twenties when Blue happened, and we oh. just didn't really take it all in. Um, we were so busy flying here, there, and everywhere, and it was just. I, I can't remember a lot of stuff because it just all happened so fast. And there was no camera phones then to, to be yes. able to, to do, to, to, to record all the memories. So 
um, yeah, you do really appreciate things, I think, a lot more when you get older. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's like you said, I, I went back to do Chicago a couple of years ago when it got revived back in the West End. And to do it 11 years later from the first time I did it, it was like almost doing a completely different performance. And yes. I was a completely different actor and yeah. I interpreted the lines completely different. It's, it was crazy. It was weird. It, it's just, you just, I don't know. I guess it's just age, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So talking about theatre, so kind of, I guess you never really come out of the band because you like, it's like we've been speaking to lots of the guys from Steps and, and, you know, you are a family. You are just a continuous thing. It's pits, but I guess it's just hard. You know, when you've got albums and, and tours and stuff going, it's more prominent in the press. And mm. when you, you found theatre, which which was brilliant. I mean, you've done so many great shows. Was it some? Was it a conscious choice that you thought, right? I'm gonna. I, I've something I've wanted to do, or how did it? How did it come about for you? I think. If I'm honest, being that kid at school, being in the school plays, you know, like I talked about before, always being lucky to get lead parts and stuff. It just stayed, it stayed inside me. And mm. I guess from Blue, I wanted to go back to my love of, of theatre. And I think once you have that love of, of musical theatre, and I remember going as a kid to see loads of incredible shows in the West End and just being so mesmerized. Yeah. I remember I remember one of the one of the first shows I got to see in the West End was Miss Saigon. Oh, um, oh such a good show. I, it was incredible. And it was Joanna Ample was playing uh, oh lovely Joe. was playing the lead. And I remember buying the music, the musical score, and just listening to it over and over and over and over and over again with with of course Leah Salonga mm. was uh, was the voice. Um, but just fell in love with that show and then getting to see the ending we you know when the helicopter comes down on stage and you yeah, feel the yeah, wind from yeah. it the, 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 and just actually living in that moment and and what live theater can actually do and the, and the emotions that it that it brings to you and that awful scene at the end when she when she takes her life and spoiler alert if you haven't seen miss icon <laughs> sorry spoiler alert but that end moment i'm sure everyone has dramatic ending <laughs> But I just remember being in that auditorium in floods of tears. And yes. I just was so emotionally involved with the show. It just, it created so much emotion and it just made me go, I want to do this one day. I mm. want to be able to give that emotion back to, to an audience member. I, I remember seeing you actually in, um, in Legally Blonde with lovely Sheridan and you were brilliant. You were so great. It feels like you feel very at home in theatre and on the stage and it's it's so great is there anything that you still kind of want to do stage-wise is there any play because you've done a bit of a bit of tv as well a bit of acting and on the mm. bill and stuff is there is there any any show that you haven't done that you, you'd love to do it's like they're the show uh, do you know what it's funny because I always said I would love to do Rocky Horror and then I got an opportunity to, to do <laughs> yeah. Frankie as Rocky and many years ago, I got asked to go into Rocky Horror as Brad. And I kind of, I read the scripts. I thought, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fine. I could do, probably do it, but mm. Frankenfurter would be the character I would love. And they were like, yeah. well, you're too young for Frank. You know, you're not really suitable for Frank. And then I came out as gay and got Priscilla <laughs> Queen of the And Desert suddenly you are. <laughs> yeah. And then the next minute I got asked to go in as, as Frank. So I was like, <laughs> yes, please. I did the audition and I got the part and I was really excited because for me, that was such 
an iconic role to play Frankenfurter in yes. the Rocky Horror. Um, and I just loved every single minute of playing that Aww. part. It was just, for me, the best show I've ever done. A, because it's a really quick show. I mean, I think act one is something like 35 minutes you're on mm. stage for. And act two is like 40, 43 minutes or something. So, yeah. you, you know, you're on and off so quick every night. Mm. And uh, it's just so fun. And the music, oh, the music is incredible. And people love it, don't they? There really is that cult following for that show. People dress up, they get, they shout along, they they fill in all the blanks, they they sing along. It's such a great show. I can imagine it's fun to do. Um, you mentioned about coming out. It was really public for you, wasn't it? I mean, you know, people have their their different stories, and it can't be the easiest thing to do anyway. But to do it in front of the public and have, I mean, I remember seeing you in the magazines and just thinking that's a tough. That's a tough thing to do. And and to how it's probably quite a big question, but how how was that for you? Did you did you kind of choose to do it that way or did it just happen because you were in the public eye? I think for me, um, knowing that I was in the public eye and I had this big secret hanging over me that I was gay, I thought at some time it's gonna it's gonna come out or there's gonna be something said and I I was kind of living in dread of that moment ever mm. happening and I had an opportunity um to do a story with Dan Whitten at uh, the News of the World and I spoke to Dan about it and I said look I I just I I want to I want to be able to be my true authentic self and I'm really mm. frightened to be that person and I want to be able to do a story in my own kind of words and um we talked about it. We had a, a lovely meeting together and we, we did the story. And afterwards, I was so frightened about what was the reaction going to be. But I got to say, Dan wrote it in such a lovely, delicate way for me. And I didn't want to say I was gay. And I said I was bisexual. Mm. Um, and because I just felt transitioning, going from being this straight boy band uh, member who was always dating girls and yeah. linked to Jerry Halliwell and Martina <laughs> Kutch and all these celebrity <laughs> women uh, and also having a child by mm. uh, by having a daughter I just thought I can't do the whole gay mm. thing and I, I took the kind of option of doing the stepping stone of being bisexual but to be fair at that time I was bisexual I was mm -hmm. still having sex with women I was very much into women and it just felt like a natural I guess progression for for me evolving into who I am now. But you know, I've got I've got to say I, I, that story for me was so incredibly um, important, and mm -hmm. to get it out there, and it was it was a life changer for me. It took all those sandbags of that were weighing me down yes. on my shoulders away. It lifted them all, and I can actually be for the first time who I wanted to be, my own true self, and. You know, I, I really have a lot to thank for that story coming out because it really changed my life. Yeah, and, and such a great, such a brave thing and a great thing to do for other young people out there to go, I can do this and I can be myself and I, it doesn't matter what sexuality I am because, you know, you've, you've done it. You've kind of proved that it's okay. And I think that's really great, especially for young people now, I think, who are, who are so judged. I think it's, it's a really great you must, I'm sure you get lots of, um, especially now with social media, but people contact you and, and reach out and say, you know, kind of thanks. <laughs> thanks for flying that. Yeah, flag. I mean, look, it is. I mean, it's never easy to come out. It's, I think nowadays, um, it's probably a bit more acceptable um, 
because it's more there's more education about it it's mm. on people's tv for instance a lot more it's talked about a lot more so it's a lot more accepting but i think you know 10 years ago even 10 years ago, and way before that it was a very very difficult thing yeah. to be able to do um because of the judgment that came with it and the stigma that came with it and and unfortunately you know it's it's very sad but it's true that a lot of people probably lived a very unhappy life because they couldn't be who they wanted to be and i think being in the public eye and and actually getting up and saying hang on a minute this is something I have to do and 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 put it out there for me I know it helped lots of people mm. and still to this day there's lots of people that find it very hard to be able to come out and to be their true authentic self but I think you know the more people that talk about it the more people that say their story it gives it gives people who may be in a difficult situation a little bit of hope and it mm. gives them a little bit of opportunity to say actually if they've done it I can do it too that's brilliant it's yeah it's really really great um I have to talk about Dancing on Ice um, because I loved I loved the show and this year especially has been really difficult for people with lots of injuries and bits and pieces and you know I'm sure that's been due to uh, to the circumstance of the pandemic and stuff. But um, how was how was your experience on it? Did you did you love it or did God. you? I, I, it was, I, I think I did it in, was it 2006 or 2007? Seven, I think, Seven. I've got it down yeah. here. 2007, I've got it. Years. While ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, it was so much fun. So nerve wracking. So I scary bet. to go out onto that ice every night. But Could you skate beforehand or no, not? No, not, not really, no. <laughs> but I can, I can say that Torval and Dean taught me to skate, which is yeah, like, that's how many cool. people can say that? yeah cool. yeah and it's true they did like Christopher Dean uh was on the ice with me helping me do all the routines because back then he choreographed all your routines nowadays mm. it's the professional choreographs but yeah back in the day when I did it Christopher Dean and Jane they they choreographed you they wow. came up with all of your all of your choreography so for me it was just like an incredible uh, incredible time in my life to say that Torval and Dean taught me to skate it was just it was amazing amazing is there any others you'd want to do? I mean, you'd be great on Strictly. Surely you've got that coming. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, look, I'd love to do Strictly. I know two of my bandmates have done it, so I don't, I don't know. But I mean, I did have a terrible back injury and it's left me ah, numbness. Course, so I don't yeah. know whether I've I've got the the strength and the ability anymore. Yeah. But you know what? I, I God loves to try and I definitely would try my best. <laughs> okay, a couple more before I let it go. Um, what's been your... What's been your toughest moment in 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 your career? What's been the hardest hardest moment, and and, and how did you kind of come out of it? Um, I think for me, um, having that back injury during the time when I was on stage doing Priscilla Queen of the Desert, I was on tour and uh, I slipped my disc, and it actually was quite a, a horrible injury mm. that for me was pretty tough because up until that point I kind of felt invincible I think yeah, as we all yeah, do you know we yeah. all think we're gonna live forever and and nothing's gonna happen to us but um I think in that moment um when I was in that hospital and the doctor you know gave me the the true reality of it and uh, said your life is going to be different from this point you're never going to have the same abilities that you've had and it was like such a huge shock i think anybody who gets a terrible health scare it must be so awful because it does change the way that you think and the way that you then start to look after yourself and i think um that for me was a pretty pretty low moment uh and i remember before the accident happened i um just got offered a, a job in hollyoaks 
and I literally had to put the start of my filming off because of the, the operation. And then it was literally touch and go whether I was going to be able to go into Hollyoaks because I didn't know if I was going to be able to walk or mm. what my what my general health was going to be like. But wow. um, I kind of hobbled up to Liverpool and ended up the first six months was really horrific because I was doped up on so many painkillers. I was on mm. tramadol and all sorts of stuff to basically get through being able to work. And on set, I was filming my scenes with a walking stick. And then actually when we went to film, taking the stick away and being propped up on a bar or stood oh by a stood by a counter because I, I I was limping and it was awful. So I couldn't, couldn't really do much. Mm. And my brain was so foggy from all the medication that was on and trying to learn the amount of lines every single day. It was, it was really tough. And yeah. I really struggled for the first six months. And I struggled because of my own um, mental health as well, because I just, I put myself into this show and I probably needed, you know, a few months more to, to recover. To recover. I didn't want to lose the part and I didn't want to lose this opportunity, you know. It's so hard and it's a snowball effect, isn't it? The pressure you put on yourself, it yeah. just, oh, it's so difficult. And what's, what's been the what's been the highlight? I mean, you mentioned one, the Queen's Jubilee in, in, in when you were with Blue, but has there been an, a, a highlight that's just been one that stays with you? Oh God, there's been so many Loads, that, I, yeah, that I've been really blessed for. And, I, and I'm, I'm just, every time I, I get an opportunity to do a show, or get, get a part in something, I'm just, I, I'm just always very thankful because mm. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's, you know, like you, Kerry, you know, and every time that phone rings and you get booked for a job, it's just, you know, we have to be thankful and, and we always have to remain humble and, and, yeah. and, and, and grateful because there's so many people out there trying to get work and trying to get, that job and when you get it over people you just I think oh my god I, I'm, I'm really grateful that I've had this opportunity mm. and you know all through my career with Blue I, we did some incredible things which I'm so thankful for and then after Blue you know going into the West End being on tour just like you said the big reunion all these things even representing the UK the in Eurovision, Eurovision. Oh, <laughs> so Eurovision. you know all these all these things I've just been so grateful that I've had the opportunity to do Now, I can't let Duncan go without asking my final question that I ask all my special guests. If you could look back on your 20-year-old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself, what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on? Oh, I would say to myself, this is like a a RuPaul moment, isn't it? (laughs) the the, the, The picture up. I guess I would just honestly say to myself, you know, don't be frightened of who you are. Don't let anything dim your light. Just be proud of your sexuality. Be proud of the way that you are and accept it earlier. And I wish I came out a lot earlier on and actually lived some of my life in my 20s, especially being much more happier and, and not so scared, really. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess that old saying, saying is to try to appreciate every single moment because you don't know when it's going to be your last amazing Duncan you're gorgeous thank you so much for coming on the show all the best with what's coming up and I'll see you around thank you well that is it for another week thank you so much Duncan for coming on the show I loved hearing your stories and chatting about you and Rita in those early days (laughs) how much fun was that Ah, just joyous. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, thank you to my lovely producer, Martin, for just making this so brilliant. You're wonderful. 
Of course, thank you to our sponsors, Bedfordshire Hot Tubs. We just adore you and having you on board this season is just wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, to you, the listeners. I wouldn't be here without you. If you haven't checked out um, any of our other episodes, please do hit subscribe. Maybe leave us a little review if you want to hit the five stars. I don't mind that. (laughs) But most importantly, tell your friends, tell your family, um, because I love doing these chats. And if we get them out there, I can do some more and maybe even work on a season five. How about that? We are well into season four now. We're, I think, halfway through. It's gone so fast. Um, For those of you out there that are in the summer holidays keep braving the rain you're doing great and for those of you that are just out there enjoying (laughs) this rain you're doing amazing i hope i'm still keeping you company with these podcasts i love doing them um so we have a great chat coming up next week so tune in for that and uh enjoy the rest of your weekend doing whatever you're doing i'm sending you lots and lots of love and i'll speak to you very soon remember keep calm and carry on 